All I want for Christmas is a real good tan. <laughs> is that actually a song? It is. Were you ever a country singer in a past life, Doug? No. No. But uh, when we were children, we did have, like with the cousins, we would do a mock, like a karaoke oh, really? style full country band and a lot of lot of Garth Brooks and <laughs> Judds and stuff like that. This is that. what they do up in Maine? <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is what we do up in Maine. <laughs> hey, welcome back to SwitchCast. I am just making my final notes for the show based on an interaction I had on the way over to film tonight. So uh, we are really more prepared than uh, than it would seem by that comment, but I had to get something in here last minute. Anyway, thank you for joining us. <clears throat> we are live as we are every week at 8 p.m. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars. And with us tonight, as always, is our official supplier of banter, Tyler Sanders. He's Hello, on everybody. camera tonight. And uh, our producer, Ethan Huffnagel. And for those of you watching live, you'll notice that we're in a new spot tonight with some uh, musical instruments. Be I'm sorry, not music. With some drums behind us. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see how the, uh, the Wi-Fi is. So uh, bear with us if you're live. And please feel free to throw your comments in, throw your questions in. We look forward to interacting with you tonight. Um, one quick news story that I found very interesting this week was uh, uh, Denton County Fire Department responded to a large fire at a car auction facility Saturday, Sunday morning. I'm sorry. We've covered a few of these this year because we had the uh, the Felicity Ace, I think it was last year, go down with 4,000 cars on the ship and a couple yeah. other automotive cargo ships. And there was a big, big car fire in a, a, a storage facility or a car park over in England um, at an airport. Oh, yeah, because they had to like... It was the front of it was entirely collapsed. All yes. the cars were stuck. Whole business. Yes. So this is continuing on the theme. So uh, emergency services were dispatched to a report of a suspected grass fire on McPherson Road. Uh, this is, uh, I'm sorry, I have to give credit here. This is via NBC Dallas, NBC Dallas Fort Worth. They were dispatched at 1.32 a.m., but upon arrival, they found multiple vehicles on fire. So <laughs> dispatcher missed a little bit there. <laughs> uh, let's see, four or five different fire departments responded, and uh, it was quite a big deal. Uh, over 58 vehicles were involved. Uh, All American Towing was able to move vehicles out of the way and create a fire break in the lot so that they cont could contain it. The fire was declared out at 3.09 a.m. Were they towing away burning cars? I have a feeling they were towing away non-burning cars so they, like, they wouldn't uh. spread from one combustible thing to another. I mean, that's still pretty sweet. I'm just imagining them rolling up and like lassoing cars <laughs> to like get it. There's this team of like burly dudes in, in tow trucks. That's awesome. Tow truck drivers are far more manly than any of us <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. I, <laughs> um, it, I bring this up for a reason, though. There's a couple of details in here that matter, right? So we've we've talked about EV fires and how this is a problem with EVs that is not really being talked about. We're just talking about how fast they are zero to 60, but we're not talking about the fire hazard of, of all the lithium within these batteries. And 
a lot of people, when we've talked about or when, when articles have talked about these big EV fires in car parks and stuff and how long they burn, people go, oh, wow, you know, gas is combustible too. Like cars can explode, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, absolutely. There are car fires all the time. There are big fires involving multiple cars. But let's look at the numbers here. 58 cars involved. They were dispatched at 1.32 a.m. The fire was out at 3.09 a.m. That's an hour and a half later. I'm pretty sure electric cars burn longer than that, don't they? If this was an EV <laughs> fire, it would still be going next year. <laughs> that is that is a point here. Sucks the 58 cars burned out. Oh, well, it was at a car auction, so maybe that was the best thing that could have happened to them. But... <laughs> they'll be sold they'll be sold wholesale next week they'll be on their clean title somehow <laughs> clean title light smoke damage clean title as is yeah no arbitration no takesies backsies <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a deep cut reference to last week's episode <laughs> So if you uh, missed it, you can go to switchcast.live where you can catch up on all sorts of old episodes. Uh, and speaking of switchcast.live, we're going to ask you early on in the show, uh, if you do enjoy this show, uh, which it, it seems that you do, our numbers have been indicating that you do, and we are so thankful for you being here, uh, consistent growth year over year, um, please do us a favor. Um, smash that like button as, as the, the, the kiddos say, <laughs> the kiddos. um, share it, write a review on whatever podcast platform, um, you are, are listening. Um, please don't write a view review of Hank because we know that'll be zero stars, but, but, but please give us a five-star review because that helps with the AI stuff that helps with the algorithms. It'll, if, if the, uh, content pushers deem that we are, interesting then they will yeah. push us to more people so that's right uh, i think please, we're interesting i you know i i don't know <laughs> i don't know i just talk and and i look at the numbers and apparently people think my jokes are funny but uh, or my face or maybe both but um anyway uh, i wanted to cover a little bit of what we've learned in 2023 from the internet because you know everything you read on the internet is true that quotes from abraham lincoln um We've, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot um, from our listeners, from internet commenters, but uh, a few of the highlights. Um, one, I learned this this week. Apparently, I'm not allowed to have an opinion on driving techniques or racing because I'm a, quote, wannabe influencer and a used car dealer. Hmm. I, I mean, may, you, you do deal in used cars, right? Right. You know, so okay. apparently yeah, that makes accurate. me unqualified to talk about driving skill. So Sweet. I made the mistake of commenting on a racing video on Instagram this week where the person who posted the video was trying to get everyone to jump on the bandwagon of just trashing the car who wrecked in front of him. But I pointed out an error in his driving that almost caused him to T-bone the driver that wrecked in front of him. Let me tell you, it was not well received by the keyboard warrior. So before any of you decide to be successful at social media, just be warned, you no longer have a valid opinion on anything else that matters. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. Tyler, this could be a problem for you because um, our debate about whether or not you should warm up your car has been getting some massive airtime on TikTok. 
and uh, Tyler's been getting recognized at his work. Yeah, and- <laughs> I've had multiple people that are not even really into cars message me or come up to me and be like, is this, you? what is happening? What do you do? Like, what well, is this? Nobody is, you can't have an opinion anymore no. on software programming. You will I, no longer be taken seriously. No, and I'm honestly scared that of all the videos that could have gone as viral as that did, <laughs> it's the one where I'm referencing hyper-specific things that people argue about related to 996s all the time. <laughs> I'm Imagine I'm getting flamed to no end in those comments, and I just won't look. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's it's really funny, too, that you said in that video that uh, you were scared about the bore scoring on your 911 engine because of warming up your car in cold temperatures. And I was on some auction or some platform recently where some expert basically said, oh, no, no. The engine's going to be fine. It won't have bore scoring because it was properly warmed up before driving every time. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what does that mean? Where have you been going? I'd like <laughs> the, to see your references. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the opposite of what all the experts say. Now, I, I agree with warming up your car for the record. I think everybody on TikTok thinks I think you shouldn't. But didn't I really we, don't care because it works great for the, for the algorithms. Well, and didn't we essentially come to the conclusion that once you see some movement on your, your temp and or oil, Oil gate pressure gauge if you have one or oil temp gauge that you're then you're probably fine but yes. wait to see some movement wait till stuff has reached some sort of uh, higher temperature right. than the oil being sludge right well and don't like hammer on your car until yes. it's fully warmed up but the problem is people think driving to work they're not putting load on their engine but you go up a hill or, or accelerate or whatever you are putting load on your engine you want to make sure things are flowing properly before you do that so um let's see what else have we learned ev proponents will not give up despite slumping sales and manufacturers going back on their promises to ramp up production. Uh, now, I will admit that sales of EVs are up over last year, but they're down massively in the last couple of quarters, and they're down based on the projections, and they are sitting on dealers' lot, and the, the, the ongoing projections are, are not good for EVs. But anyway, the fanboys, it always comes back to the same argument. What's that argument? Oh, Come on, what's what's the basis uh, of everybody's love for EVs? Uh, something with the the environment, right? Well, they go quick. No. They're oh, fast. Oh, yes. Oh, they're so fast. They're zero to sixty in three seconds. Oh my gosh, I drove one. They're so fast. In fact, one commenter on our podcast highlight said, "Quote: Have you seen how fast most electrics are?" When we were bashing them, and I said, "Well, yeah, but they're a one trick pony." So he doubled down. And his defense was, well, some YouTubers and drag racers have been just dominating the drag strip in their EVs. I'm like, yes. It's kind of what they're made for. It's exactly what I said. One trick pony. Yeah. It's a quarter mile at a time straight line. And you got to recharge afterwards. Um, but this is actually funny. So the Mustang Mach-E was recalled for an issue that causes the battery to overheat if the accelerator pedal is floored one too many times. <laughs> well, so hmm. go dominate that drag strip, but don't do it too much because your battery can't handle it. And then that might what? <laughs> Heat usually leads to fire, right? Uh, it could, yeah. yeah not a uh, there's thing. essentially a short in one of the conductors or something like that that was allowing this to happen. Ooh. But uh, it's beyond my technical pay grade. But it, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, let's see. We learned that you should definitely not follow my investing advice. Carvana. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, by the way, we do not offer investing advice or tax advice or legal advice on this show. However, we have an opinion on things. Good disclaimer. Carvana was the <laughs> the best performing U.S. stock of 2023 as listed on the Russell 3000. Oh, it's so It depressing. was over a thousand percent gain. Year to date, oh, but my. I okay. It was at four dollars and sixty three cents in January, which is almost a penny stock, and it was half of its IPO price. So even if you didn't believe in Carvana, the the old adage "buy low, sell high" could apply here, right? That they could barely go anywhere except up from there, and, and they they did have uh, a, a I'll call it a voluntary bankruptcy. So I'm still claiming a win there in terms of what happened to the company, but sure. Uh, just wish I would have dumped my life savings into Carvana. Like (laughs) what, how long ago was this? Like six months ago? Yeah. Back in May, it was eight, like between six and $8. Oh gosh. And it's $53 now. So anyway, um, I still wouldn't buy it now. I I think the fundamentals of the company are kind of screwed up, but so you're still holding out hope that this is like a Blackberry situation, decent concept, poor execution companies going under. I mean, they did go under, though. Technically, they restructured their debt. It was just voluntary. That is a bankruptcy. Look, tell that to the shareholders. But you're still, you're well, still. They got, no, but that's the thing. That's why their stocks went up is because they got a bankruptcy. That's great. For, right. That's sure. But they still have the debt. It's not like they did away with it. They still have like six billion dollars worth of debt. That's that's that's. So eh. you're you're still you're gonna die on this hill. You're sticking to your guns on this one, though. Yes. Okay. Yes. Write that I, down, Tyler. I, ooh, <laughs> they'll yes. get a buyout or, or something else. Like they're never going to go away entirely, but there's there's a day. I'm just I'm sticking on the Carvana Hill and sticking on the EV Hill. Uh, let's see. This year we sold three 1991 Porsches, uh, 911s. That is, we sold a Turbo, a Targa, and a Cabriolet. And I love numbers and I love coincidences. The last four of the serial numbers were 0456 on the turbo, 0456 on the Targa. Any guess on the Cabriolet? 0456. 0654. <laughs> oh, oh, so close. I cannot uh, make this up. I, sh- I should buy a lot- lottery ticket. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I learned a lot about Cannonball this year. Uh, apparently, we did it in 22 hours. Oh, congrats. Didn't, didn't know that's that. Good feet. Yeah, I good know. Job. That's incredible. Yeah. That's like 125 mile an hour average. <laughs> so you were sandbagging. You should be so proud. <laughs> right. It was a Mickey Mouse run. I don't know what that means, but somebody called it that. Okay. And it also didn't count because we had fuel cells. Fuel cells are cheating. Yeah. You didn't know that? You didn't read the rule book I mean, before I, you got They've them. been using them since 1906. Uh, they've all been breaking I, the rules, every one of them. I can't you believe know. you were let on any sort of cannonball <clears throat> panel at one Audrain uh, Concord Week, Motor Week. Goodness, I can't speak. What would I With know? With this knowledge, yeah. Oh. Well, I'm just a wannabe influencer and a used car dealer. Yep. Um, and then I had posted a video about the U.S. Express talking about the event time, which is a sent there are a lot of nuances with cannonball records. And I get that there's a lot of confusion and it's perpetuated by the cannonball community continually claiming this nuanced or that nuanced record, whatever. But there is a, a record for like an actual organized event where there's multiple cars running versus the um, the single drive across country to set a time. So basically like a race versus a time trial. And I had 
posted a reel that went viral about the U.S. Express and how 30 hours and 16 minutes, I think it was, which was the fastest time um, of that race was the quote unquote event record. And somebody responded and said, and I like that they got the time right, but I had to laugh at their phraseology. Quote, 25 hours and 39 minutes is actually record time, bucko. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> bucko. They're like they they know, but they don't. They know, but they don't. Yeah, exactly. It's like everybody you know? on the internet. And I just I played dumb on all of them. All of them, except the guy that said I knew nothing about like trip planning or whatever, and that you know it should be easily doable in 24 hours because 116 miles an hour average was nothing. Oh. And he's a truck driver, and I was like, Yeah, no, I know about averages yeah. and I know what the time is and should be, and here's <laughs> why I know this. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, call me when it's 22 hours. I'll be impressed. I'm like, No, I won't. Yeah. What's his record? Just uh... yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, exactly. as if you care about one dude on the internet being impressed. Like, I mean, every now and then I do. I, I admit it. I... <laughs> well, but if one guy isn't, it's not going to, you know. <laughs> right. Not right. going to end, end your night. Anyway, so yes, uh, you can't really learn anything on the internet. Um, Except on this podcast. So uh, yes, yeah, you learn great right. things, plenty of wisdom on this podcast. So um, again, we are about to go to a commercial break, but if you have your questions, send them in. We would love to discuss them on the podcast tonight. Yes, and SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people a part of the experience. So if you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head over, head on over to switchcars.com forward slash BoxCast for your free trial. And uh, welcome, uh, Hank, to our, well, it's not our studio. Um, yeah, I'm, what is this place? <laughs> it's pretty slick. There's freaking lighting in here. It's hurting my eyes. <laughs> I, I feel like we're in some den of iniquity down here. <laughs> I'm waiting for some floozy to come waltzing down the steps. I don't know if you can say that on TikTok. Uh, I mean, where are where? E- Ethan, is, is there going place? to be any of the, any of the the floozies? Is that something? I don't know. They like you? TikTok. We might find it. Margaret's <laughs> gonna be suspicious when I get home. That's right. At least this place. doesn't smell funny in here, and there's no glitter. We got a disco ball. You you used to like disco. I know you did. Nope. So. Ah, Rock so. and roll. All right. Anyway, oh, why am I here? It, well, because well, it's Wednesday. You're here for SwitchCast. Uh, we're just doing it in a bit of a, a different location this week, so appreciate you making I the journey. I hope this isn't permanent. <laughs> well, that's not up to me. That's up to Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> He's got long hair. I can't trust him. Do I not also have long hair? It's not as long as Ethan's, but, you know. Well, kind of. <laughs> you got them slim jeans, too. I do. You know, that you you don't really like my slim jeans. I got to be honest. You, I you, don't do. know. <laughs> Uh, so I have some un- unfortunate news for you tonight, Hank. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is a Road and Track article that uh, was published on December 1st, so earlier this month. Uh, the headline is National Corvette Museum to Suspend Corvette Assembly Plant Doors Indefinitely in February. Well, that is a travesty. It, uh, <laughs> when is the last time you've been? Well, it's been about uh, three years. Okay. Yep. 
Do you uh, wasn't think- too excited about that new C8, but you know, I went down with the Corvette yeah. Club for an, an annual pilgrimage, and you know, I, I I've only been about seventeen times, but that is it, that that is a darn shame for people that want to go now and you know spec out their Corvette and want to see it being built. You know, that, that's 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 a important experience for any any person buying their Corvette. I you know I I think I agree. Do you think they'll bring them back? Indefinitely sounds scary. I, I don't know. They're they're starting to scare me with you know turn the Corvette into a you know hybrid and EV brand and stuff. And you know they went to that mid engine thing with a C eight and I I don't know. Hmm. I, I don't trust them. Do you think they might be starting to build some of those uh, hybrid Corvettes, and that's why they don't want you in there? They don't Could want be. people to get a look? Got Would some you industry go? secrets. They don't want them Ford boys seeing. <laughs> yeah, I bet you're right. Uh, so are you going to plan another trip to uh, get another visit in? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, you have been a few times, so I think you've gotten your fill. Um, I think Doug and I might have to go, um, not necessarily for a plant tour, but we want to see a couple of cars that are in the museum, so... We'll, oh, uh, I am. we'll, we'll yep. let you know if we if we go. Well, you drive a Porsche. You you seem rich, so you can afford to buy the <laughs> the food at the restaurant there. I'm sure it's very expensive. Is it worth it though? Is it good? No, no it's okay. All right, we'll do it just for the just for the experience. So, uh, already, Hank. We'll appreciate you coming down uh, as always, and we will uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Better uh, not be here though. <laughs> we'll let you know. I'll have Ethan let you know where it's at. Uh, that is the Corvette Carmudgeon, everybody, brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook. That is your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Um, real quick to Asphalt Serpent, who says that the Black Oyster Pearl Kit Ludwig set. Yes. He answered his own question. Well, no, I'm telling him yes, it is. We got oh. confirmation from the owner that it is an authentic <laughs> 67. There you go. Sure 1967. Is. Good year for a Corvette, too. How about that? Drums <clears throat> what, was Hank back? Uh, <laughs> easy. Yeah, easy. No, I, I sat next to the anti-Corvette curmudgeon at, uh, at the bar tonight. Oh, did you? I did. I, so I keep meeting these great Corvette people, and I'm, I'm actually wondering where the, um, where the real Corvette curmudgeons are. I think they're all at the, you know, the, the Corvette club events that I don't go to, but... No, he sat next to him, and um, he he was an older gentleman, and he was in in town to see his girlfriend. And turns out he has uh, four Corvettes, or he had had four Corvettes. He had a '56, a '63, a '65, and a '67. I think it was so three C2s and a C1. And I'm like, oh man, this. I mean, this guy seems way too nice to be the Corvette curmudgeon, but he think he might be the Corvette curmudgeon especially when he dropped the, you know, 56 was the, the second rarest year of production. Oh, I'm like, there it is. Uh-oh. So I looked over at him. And I asked him one question. I said, do you drive them or do you show them? He mm. goes, oh, I drive them. My 65 was my daily driver. It's like, okay, you co- you're cool. The yeah, anti-Corvette curmudgeon. Yes. Fantastic. It's the second anti-Corvette curmudgeon I've met this year. I love it. Maybe like, we're making a difference. You ever think about that? Let's not get drastic. No, you're right. These people were great before we started this. (laughs) Make Corvettes great again. (laughs) Make Corvette ownership great again. Oh, boy. Oh, man. 
Uh, let's let's do the shrewd negotiator. This this is a good one. Um, so some of you remember. Uh, if you don't, go to Switchcast Live and you can catch up on old episodes. Some of you remember the, uh, I think it was a previous shrewd negotiator, or no, it was a scaminator. There was a Ducati uh, spaghetti for sale and um, pasta, something pasta bike. It was some Italian word. Anyway, uh, Panigale. Panigale. It yeah. was a Ducati Panigale. Okay. Yeah. The non-car guy knows better than I, I edited do. the video. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, watched you I know. say that word five times. Um, <laughs> did you have to like put it up on the screen? Did you spell? And it I out wrote too? the <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Right. So it did not have a title, and somebody was trying to sell it for about half price, and uh, we speculated that it the title was still uh, on a bank loan and had not been paid off. And a lot of people commented, Oh no, it's just a track bike. People don't have titles for track bikes. I see it all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's no, there, there is a title. He's just not offering it with the bike, which is super sketch. Um, so Tyler, we, somebody reached out to us, didn't they? Yes. Somebody reached out to us and gave us a little more info on, uh, because they asked the owner a couple of questions. So they oh. first asked, uh, do you have a bill of sale from when you purchased it? And the owner responded, well, I have the transfer info and receipts from purchase. Uh, Wondering, I don't know what what. receipt is. Yeah, usually that's, I don't know, an invoice? Like a bill of sale? Or Uh, original owner is a family friend. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Who is incarcerated. Oh, see. So Uh, I also have selling stolen property? (laughs) Uh, Well, they didn't say, actually. Um, uh, (laughs) But they also have deposits straight into their jail account with their info. That, maybe that's what they mean by receipts, like receipts of money being transferred. Which could mean anything. It, it could mean absolutely anything. That's right. So that's a roundabout political answer to, do you have a bill of sale? <laughs> and the answer seems to be no. Uh, so the listener followed up with uh, asking, did you ever register it? Did you track it? How many miles have you put on it? Uh, so the owner has put 4,500 miles on it on street, uh, two oil changes in that time, new oh. tires. The whole nine since last thousand miles. Uh, so I guess an oil change in new tires is the whole nine. Um, On a Mustang, that would be <laughs> like a full major re- <laughs> reconditioning. Yeah. But Hank's never done that. Uh, <laughs> so here's the, here's the interesting part. Uh, goal was to track, even though they've only driven it on the street. Uh, but at the moment, my money is just too tight. Never registered in my name or even looked into it because I planned to go track. I did look up the VIN just to verify it was clean. Um, uh, good intentions, but terrible execution there. I, I planned to go to the track, but I never did and instead drove it illegally 4,500 miles on the street. It's like, oopsie poopsie, 4,500 miles. Like, yeah, that's old, like, tell that to the judge response. <laughs> yeah, tell that to the cop. Why, why isn't your <laughs> bike registered? Well, because I intended to take it to the track. Oh, okay, where'd you get it? Some guy in jail. Yeah, that's just... Yeah. Here, here's the bank receipt of me sending him money. Yeah, okay. So anyway, they, what, I think the bike is marked as sold. So somebody has another no title bike, and I don't know, It's at some point we'll uh, somebody will come looking for that. But be careful, guys. Don't buy stuff with no titles. No. Yeah. Uh, Vampire Bear 13 in, on YouTube chat says, that's the Lamborghini Huracan of motorcycles. Which I appreciate. <laughs> so it's got to mean that it's the one everybody buys to flex. So they're like, it's like oh, oh, I thought it was the one that everybody sells with no titles. <laughs> oh, or that. 
Uh, speaking of YouTube chat, Asphalt Serpent, thank you very much for your super chat tonight. Uh, just got a, a nice super chat. It says, happy holidays, boys. No question, no nothing. Just sending us uh, some love. Happy Festivus for the rest of us. That's right. Oh, are there grievances tonight? I know we're late oh, for that. Uh, we aired our grievances <laughs> oh, earlier. That's right, we did. If anyone on YouTube or TikTok wants to air your grievances <laughs> semi-appropriately. What's Ethan's feat of strength? <laughs> His hair growing ability. <laughs> yeah, so a few things I got going for me at this point. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of questions, let's go to the question of the week. Yes, and the question of the week is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. Forget those flappy paddles, we like shifting ourselves. So check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. Speaking uh, of which, I have to apologize to everybody who's tried to order um, because we really only have shirts in my size and three of me size. Um, we don't have any like normal people, medium, large XL size. Uh, we are going to restock. I was putting it off, but we will restock. We have a new, uh, switch cars shirt design that we'll put out and we might have a, we might have a Corvette curmudgeon shirt, uh, that, that we'll put out next year. So um, definitely check nutsforsticks.com in the new year, and I promise we'll have full, full stock in all sizes and a new design or two coming out. That's what I need to keep for or stop forgetting to ask Hank about his Winston hat. We've had a few comments uh, on our, our past mm-hmm. uh, switch. It was probably free. <laughs> well, but we got I just need to remember to ask him that next time. He was a little disoriented this week. Um, anywho. Uh, we've got a couple questions for the question of the week this time. So D-I-N, uh, which I'm guessing is from YouTube uh, or elsewhere, uh, would you recommend learning to drive with a manual transmission or learn with auto and then learn manual? Manual first, 100%. Yeah. Um, I, I think Tim Neely, who was on last week, addressed this as well because he saw the question come in and said that he had taught one of his sons to drive on manual first and then the other one not and the one that he had taught on manual first just was a better driver because it 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 teaches you more like brain skills like brain function of of coordination and stuff like that um You also have to pay attention more to what's going on around you because you need to know, do I need to downshift? Right. Do I need to like be prepared to, yes. to to do whatever? And it teaches you to not creep up at stoplights because you don't mm-hmm. want to roast your clutch, which like everybody... So there's a lot of right. things I've noticed because I've only driven manuals for five years now is all of my cars have been manual. And there's so much stuff people do that annoys me because I'm like, I don't want right. to scoot mm-hmm. up five inches. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You have to pay attention if, if you're driving a stick. I, I think of it a little bit too. Not that driving an automatic is wrong, but it's like driving sure a stick is. is a fundamental <laughs> skill and everything is connected. So um, I think of it kind of like learning to ski. Everybody teaches the, the, the pizza thing first, and then you have to unlearn your kids and go, okay, now stop doing what you were taught and put your skis parallel. So then everybody for the rest of their life kind of like defaults when they're in trouble to doing the pizza thing, the wedge again. So mm-hmm. it's better to teach the right way first. And I, I kind of think that about stick shift cars. Here, here's the thing, though. With skiing, you can you, you learn by failing. You learn by crashing and falling over and, and making a goon of yourself on the, uh, on the hill there. With, a, with a, a stick, what do you, 
you crash your car, like, what do you do? How, well, how do you, how well, do you that's learn a valid the hard question. way? Um, you know, I, it, honestly, I don't know why you are qualified to know anything about skiing because you're just a, a wannabe podcast producer and, and a digital marketer. <laughs> so y- you shouldn't have any say, but um, <laughs> skiing is like uh, one, the of the few, one of the few things one. I'm decent at. <laughs> I'm a wannabe influencer, so I don't know <laughs> anything right. about skiing. Either. You know, I'm no, just right. here. Um, no, but it's it's a that's a good parallel to learning how to control a car. So the way that you get really good at driving a car is not by driving well; it's by driving poorly. Like, but there's a point here. You go <laughs> over the limit in a controlled scenario, sure, and lose control of your car multiple times preferably at a professional driving school. And that's what I was able to do in high school so that then you learn to anticipate what's going to go wrong and you right. learn how to correct and, and save the car before something goes terribly wrong. But it's like skiing. You fall and fall and fail and fail over and over again so that you learn not to do that and learn to anticipate it and react in time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's really, really important for people to do, but unfortunately most people don't do it. And even track drivers a lot of guys get really really fast but they've never wrecked their car and they have no idea what it means or what it feels like right at the limit because they've never passed it Mm -hmm. and that's the scariest and this is why i don't instruct anymore that is the scariest thing in the world is to ride right seat with somebody when you can feel that the car is on the edge of the limit but you can tell that they can't Mm. And the only reason that you're not wrecking into a wall is not because they're really good. It's just because they're sitting at nine and a half tenths and don't realize that they're there and just magically never get to ten and a half. So it's it's, it's a good accidental analogy. I like the skiing parallel. That's good. Asphalt Serpent uh, in YouTube chat also says it keeps your kid off TikTok while driving too. You know, you got to use your hands for so many things and you can't uh, scroll in the TikToks. Is it easier for a drummer? Is what easier for drummers? Driving stick. Driving stick? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, drummers aren't great at much of anything. I mean, did you did you hear what the drummer got on his IQ test? Oh, no. What was that? Drool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Got any others? <laughs> uh, our second question of the week, I'm just going to stop that before it happens. Uh, Flip Wilson, this was from switchcast.live. Uh, so thank you very much for visiting uh visiting our site. Uh, what do you think of the debate for those of us on in front license plate required states? Drill into the front bumper and go legit or run without a front plate and risk it. What would you do, especially if, especially if it is a brand new car? Every time I hear the phrase risk it, I just think of like, you gotta risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but anyway, it's nothing to do with biscuits. Huh. Um, no, I'm totally, I've, I've run rear plate only. It was Ohio used to be a, a front plate state for a long time, and they finally outlawed it a, a couple of years ago. Uh, but I would never run a front front plate, and I just yeah, I, I risk getting the ticket. I never did get one, um, but I wasn't willing to drill into the front plate. And and on higher end cars, it's a big deal. Like there's people that won't buy a car if it has front license plate holes. Um, and some people who are like, I don't even want it if it's had plate holes and then the front bumper was repainted because I want it all original. That's, I mean, that's going overboard, but no, I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, if you're a law abiding citizen, there's no reason to that. The, the, 
you know, the, the argument that uh, police groups always use to like when Ohio was trying to do away with the front plate is, you know, they, they bring out the one extreme scenario where some criminal was like driving towards a cop and I guess he ran over the cop and it was an awful situation. Mm. But they said, well, he didn't have a front plate, so we weren't able to catch him because we weren't able to identify him. I'm like, hmm. that wasn't it. And that's not a good enough reason to mandate it for all other 10 million Ohio residents for for eternity. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had a front right. plate on, on any of my sports cars, and I've never, got, never had any issue uh, from any sort of uh, constabulary for it. Um, Cannonball CC on YouTube says tow hook mount. That is a good option. I did buy a tow hook mount uh, when driving down uh, to Tennessee because I had read online and I got scared, much like I do with all things with my 996, (laughs) uh, that the cops around Cincinnati were pretty strict on that because it was so close to Kentucky. Um, So I plonked one on the car for that Mm. and then took it off when I got home, put it back in the box and never used it again. Fantastic use of money. Yeah, it was kind of a waste. Uh, Mo on Mo is uh, hitting us with a super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, what suspension package did Hank choose when building his C five, and why? <laughs> we might have to save this, but I was curious to to see if you uh, know. Well, I think his is nineteen ninety eight, so I don't know that there were any suspension packages available yet because I think the Z fifty one was only on the later ones, and I think the magnetic ride was only on the later ones. So. Um, I'm sure he would have picked the magnetic ride, but, uh, yeah, we will have to, we'll have to ask him that. I'll save that for next week. Whatever he picked, it's rare. Oh, absolutely. It's the rarest option he could have picked. Uh, for, for those of you who did not watch my VinWiki video this week, I'll give you a brief synopsis and this goes right into the scaminator. This is relevant. Um, but, uh, Somebody had hired me to go out and inspect a Porsche down in Canton, Ohio, and they were trying not to get scammed. And it was a good thing they hired me because the guy selling it was definitely a huge time BS. I wouldn't say he was a scammer. The car existed and the title existed, but everything he said was a complete fabrication. So I saved them from way overpaying for the car, although I found out that they probably weren't actually going to buy it anyway, because this person who hired me has ended up burning a lot of people in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. We heard from a lot of um, people who have done business with him, and he's he's got quite a reputation there locally. But anyway, the owner, Joe, of the, these Porsches down in Canton, was incredibly full of himself and kept making up things about cars. And and the best one was that he had a Porsche 996 C4S. And he was trying to convince me that it was a one-of-one, he should have had a Corvette, it was a one-of-one turbo delete lightweight Carrera 4S, which, you know, the, the 996 C4S uses the M96 engine, the turbo uses the Metzger engine. So, like it would literally have to have a non-turbo Metzger engine in it, which would be a higher compression engine, which would essentially be a GT3 engine. So I'm like, oh, so it has a Metzger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, what makes it lightweight? Well, it's got the lightweight aluminum fenders. It's the super light. I was like, funny, I've never heard of this. Hmm, I must be living under a Porsche rock. But, uh, you know, I knew he was BSing, but uh, we checked the car out 
It was super cool. It was white over terracotta with a color matched white wheels. It had like 85,000 miles. I'm like, this is perfect. I need a winter car. I'll try to buy this off of him. So I made him a lowball offer mostly because when the car started up, it had some funky, what sounded like internal engine noises. So I was already thinking like, all right, I got a budget for a four liter build. Was there some tapping? There was some tapping. <laughs> Lots of tippity taps? There was some tapping, yes. Well, I I had forgotten about the car. I did not miss missing it. Um, and it ended up in Florida. And a dealer friend of mine also went and looked at the car. And he confirmed the same thing. That on cold start, it was making some pretty scary noises. But it's now on P-Car Market by the ah. same seller in Florida. Not the guy in Ohio that I dealt with, but by a dealer in Florida. Interestingly enough, on the cold start videos on the auction, sounds just fine. So I am not making any inferences here. I'm just stating what I knew to be true and what is on the auction. Maybe they fixed it. Maybe it's not an issue. I don't know. It's just happening. So I, I thought that was pretty... Uh, pretty crazy that that rare spec c4s that was the subject of a of a scam uh earlier this week scam story is coincidentally on pcar market now um with that said pcar market does have some pretty amazing cars on their site this week i don't know if you checked it out but uh, i'm pretty blown away by the first owner of this uh white over terracotta car checked every single aluma look option on the spec sheet oh yes even the vents the like cause the all of the vent slats are a luma look and the cd changer is a luma i didn't even know you could do that oh you can do whatever the you want the speaker grills doug the speaker grills <laughs> it's better than being that rosewood that's oh, uh, that's, that's a horrific. special with Ugh. a savannah beige and usually a tiptronic uh, transmission <laughs> no thank you Oh my goodness! Anywho, what uh, what else is on the uh, P car market? Uh, well, today there was a four thousand mile. Uh, I think it was a uh, Rosso Fiorano, which is a burgundy metallic Ferrari four fifty six M manual transmission with crema interior that was over in Switzerland. Uh, that sold for a deal at one hundred thirty thousand dollars today. Um, there's a 993 Turbo S in a one-of-one one spec that is absolutely stunning. Um, Their uh, offerings this week, they've, they've stepped it up uh, just, a, just a wee bit. There's some pretty good stuff on there. So check it out. Um, with that said, if we don't have any burning questions, we're going to go to the props and flops of the week. We actually do have a tip uh, from TikTok here. This one comes to us from Chris North, who asks, if you could only fill your garage with one brand, what would it be? I love this question. It's a good spin on the what's your favorite car question. I, the, the response question is, how big is my garage? However, I'm going to assume that I have a 300-car garage and unlimited money. And the answer is not what you would think because we've played this game before, and it's Mercedes. Because one, Porsche is cliche. There's there's 50, probably 50 Porsche collectors in the world. 
who have the greatest Porsche collection on the planet. And if you go to their collections, they all have essentially the same things. They're just different versions of the same things. Mm. Like there's only so many special 911s and 917s and 930s, et cetera, et cetera, that you can have. I don't want to say if you've seen one, you've seen them all, but kind of. Hmm. Um, one may have a better story or a slightly more race winning than the next one, but they're all still the same, right? Um, Ferrari is cool, and that was a thought, but Mercedes, for me, does it because, one, they're the oldest car company in the world. Two, they've dominated almost every single genre of racing across history. Um, they've done uh, rallies. They've done Mille Miglia. They've done um, the DTM series. They've won Le Mans. They've won Formula One. Mm-hmm. Like They are just so multifaceted in terms of what they do. Um, and the kind of like diversity that you could have within your collection is really, really incredible. You could have a 300 SL going, you could have a a CLK GTR, you could have a CLK DTM, you could have the, the, the red pig, the, you know, the pre AMG, AMG car. Um, you could have all the eighties and nineties, uh, pre merger AMG stuff. Um, you know, two, two ADSL, the, the, uh, you know, the old, um, n- not uh, not Hitler cars, but like the, the world ruler cars, right? The 540Ks, the 770Ks, stuff like that. Beautiful big body cars. Mercedes SSK, pre-war race car stuff. Like you could have a really, really epic and eclectic collection with with amazing history. Hmm. Um, so that, that would be my choice. The props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And Doug, what is our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory? Our pick of the week is a 2011 BMW M3 competition slick top single hump, which means no nav. That's a big deal to M3 people. And it's in a DCT, and it's a sedan. Now, you might think, like, oh, why do I think a DCT is cool? But I actually, the M3s, I think the DCT is a better transmission for that car than the stick shift. I feel like the stick transmission in that car is a little bit sloppy, and the DCT just fits that car really, really well. I know, I know, I'm nuts for sticks, yet I'm advocating a flappy paddle gearbox. Are you feeling sick? Do you have a fever? I mean, my voice is gone, <laughs> yes, but I'm feeling absolutely fine. I have had more fun driving DCT M3s than manual ones, and I feel like that is a better mated transmission for that car. Like, it's just a perfect package. So um, with that, uh, oh, yeah, so that one is a single-owner car, European delivery. Sabine Schmitz, rest her soul, has signed the underside of the hood there. And, um, yeah, it's it's a cool story. A really neat car. Yeah, that sounds um, pretty slick. Yeah. And <laughs> no pun intended, but that was kind of accidental there. hey <laughs> Wait, I'm missing the drum. <laughs> oh, we have There's... a big drum right behind us. Oh, Can't... man. <laughs> Ethan. Plus, man. I don't trust myself uh, be, to touch the that. Timing won't work. Um, <laughs> our flop of the week via WLGA News. Uh, a group of thieves, oh, there's like four of them, 
trying to steal a 2022 Porsche 911 at gunpoint. And they were actually driving a, a Nissan Rogue, by the way, further reinforcing the big Ultima Energy stereotype. Yeah, buddy. It's always a Nissan or a Mopar getting in trouble. Uh, anyway, so they got the keys off of the driver and got in the car and promptly gave up. Because they gave up. They gave up. <laughs> what? They abandoned their theft. What happens in that scenario? Do they just like give the keys back with their tail between their legs and apologize? Or do they like... They just jumped out of the car, got back in the Nissan rant and drove off. Huh. Well, that you worked out why? pretty well. But why? It was a manual transmission. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's you. what I'm talking about. I'll Best anti-theft device uh, in 2023. Heck yes. So anyway, I, th I thought that was pretty cool. Honestly, that should have been the prop of the week, you know, because <laughs> thieves got stopped. But um, we also had a prop of the week. So we're just uh, double positive here. Um, prop of the week is an article sent to us um, by a, a listener, Larry. Um, and I've been following this story for quite a while as the, the bill has been progressing through the House and Senate. Um, but the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is close to passing a bill that will ban junk fees, bait and switch, and other deceptive dealership practices. Um, the Federal Trade Commission, this is via thestreet.com, recently finalized a new rule called Combating Auto Retail Scams. That's a, um, uh, cars is the, not the anagram, I can't think of the word, but uh, acronym, thank you, all starts with A's, which uh, <laughs> fights, this government, all going to have their fancy acronyms, you know, the save bill and the this bill, it's a whole bunch of propaganda. But anyway, it, it fights illegal tactics, and this uh, bill is set to take effect on July 30th, 2024. Uh, FTC Chair Lena Khan said in a press release, the CARS rule will prohibit exploitative junk fees in the car buying process, saving people time and money and protecting honest dealers. Um, bait and switch is um, essentially, I, I mean, it's, it's what's in the name, but when a, a dealer will advertise a car that may not actually be available, like a totally base spec car and get you in the door, sell you on a payment and then say, Oh, I'm sorry, that car's not available. They send you, sell you on a higher option car and then close you for more than you were intending to spend. It is a wee bit deceptive. Um, uh, it bans dealers from using that tactic um, it will also give car shoppers some relief from excessive and unnecessary add-ons that result in additional fees embedded into their car purchasing agreements. Now, before you guys think like, oh, hooray, every single dealer is going to have to do away with dock fees and like undercoating and stuff. That is not what this is. Like this is really like super shady level stuff. Dock fees are still going to be charged because that's not deceptive. Uh, the stuff that is banned includes, quote, warranty programs that duplicate a manufacturer's warranty. So doesn't do anything. They're selling you literally nothing. Service contracts for oil changes on an electric vehicle. Oh, heck yeah. That's like uh, that's like the modern version of blinker fluid changes. <laughs> Gap agreements that do not actually cover the car or neighborhood in which it is housed or other parts of the deal and software or audio subscription services on a vehicle that cannot support the software or subscription. So this isn't like preventing mid-level shady dealers from selling you stuff you don't need. It's just 
preventing you from completely getting scammed by them selling you stuff that doesn't exist essentially. So you're telling me all those market adjustment, uh, the thingamajigs are still, still, still a go. Still going to have they're, to pay all that. They're still a go. They're still a go. Now we were looking at one here an actual purchase agreement that somebody screenshotted and it had a myriad of, of market adjustment things. Now, I don't know what out of this is going to be banned, but, um, there's an astonishing amount of things on here, right? So the original sticker on this car was 47, seven, 10. They gave them a discount of $700, but then added a 10th, $10,000 <laughs> market adjustment. Yeah. Thanks for that discount. Sweet. Nice. Um, let's see a dealer services fee for $900. That's not the dock fee license tag fees, $450 tire tax, $5 battery fee, $1.50 tag tech fee, $129 prive tag agency, $99 documentation fee, $199 one year Napleton care maintenance, $199 three year paintless dent protection, $412 shadow mark, $399 three year tire and wheel protection, $472 seven year Zillon protection, silver package, $959. What is the shadow mark? That sounds like a curse. I it's, I it might be the VIN etching in the glass. Oh, I, is I'm that not even a sure. Thing? It is a thing. I'm learning something today. I'm doing the educating part of our edify and educate thing. Right. right. <laughs> uh, either way, it's something you don't need for $399. <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't know if any of these things are actually going to be banned in the FTC's new rule. So, because they, if they actually follow through. On, uh, or offer these packages on the end, or if there's reasons for all of this stuff that's right. above board. real products. Yeah. Can't really do anything. Yeah. So those of you who think you're getting one over on a car dealer or think that all of a sudden it's going to be easy buying a car, it's still not going to be. Like, you still have to advocate for yourself. You still have to be heads up. There's The caveat emptor still applies here. Um yeah, you're still going to have to negotiate for, for what you want. This is just preventing people from completely getting bent over by the car dealer and um, totally scammed. Uh, but I, I think for the most part, it's going to be business as usual, even though this article claims that it's expected to save consumers $3.4 billion annually. Whoa. How did they come up with that number? The same way they come up with how much tax revenue they're going to gain by passing some bill, uh. right? It's just magic numbers. And yeah, it's all to make themselves look good. So Woof. yeah, with that said... Thank you again for joining us on SwitchCast this week, where we are searching for the truth and the humor in the car industry. If it ain't true, better be funny. Uh, thank you to my uh, official banter over here, Tyler Sanders. Thank you to our, spons our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Home Woodworking, and our producer, Ethan Huffnagel, over here, making the magic happen. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out switchcast.live to send us questions and to get caught up on old episodes and to find where you can subscribe to the audio podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. <laughs>